It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Hey, welcome back to Money for Lunch. I appreciate your support tremendously. I do. Uh, we uh, get a lot of feedback from individuals uh, with uh, topic ideas, show ideas, guest ideas. Those are all tremendously helpful. Thank you so very much. Also, as a uh, quick note, uh, an aside, if you will, uh, we have been giving away my book, Dominating Your Mind. And it's available free at dominatingyourmind.com. You just pay a little bit of shipping, and I'll ship it out to you. And uh, you, you know, we don't sign you up for any kind of weird continuity program or anything like that. There are no hidden fees. It's just uh, pay for the shipping. We send it out to you. And you can get that at dominatingyourmind.com. Dominatingyourmind.com is all about crushing your fears, destroying your doubts, and helping you become unstoppable. So everything in life comes down to how we feel. So if we feel strong and unstoppable, we'll take risks. We'll ask for more. We'll, we just expect more out of life because we feel strong and powerful, right? On the other hand, if we're tired, if we feel that maybe that we're not worthy, then we settle for a lot of stuff. And dominating your mind helps you establish some strategies through affirmations to help you, again, just, you know, crush your fears, destroy your doubts so you can be unstoppable. So check it out at dominatingyourmind.com and uh, make it happen for you. So as you guys know, we do this quote of the day. And if you'd like to submit a quote, if we accept it, we'll read it out loud here and uh, send you some swag. And swag can be anything from a T-shirt to uh, some, uh, what do you call it, uh, food from Chili's gift cards, right? Chili's gift card. We're not going to actually send you food. But uh, anyway, so... Today's quote of the day comes from Christopher M. Christopher M. from Las Vegas. Thank you so much for sending this out, Christopher. And his quote is from Charles Dickens. The men who learn endurance are they who, who call the whole world brother. The men who learn endurance are they who call the whole world brother brother by Charles Dickens. All right, let's jump into it. Let's get this party started with my first guest. I say my first guest, I should say I'm my guest today, my guest today, Henry James. Henry James, Deputy CEO at FinCross International. Henry was a trader and fund manager for the currency markets who has since been an active investor in digital assets since 2015. Henry James, welcome to Money for Lunch. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that you're here. I, I think it's uh, uh, interesting that uh, you kind of uh, went from, as I mentioned, currency markets to digital assets. So talk about 
talk about a little bit about your journey, how you went from uh, being a, you know, let's say a traditional trader in the currency markets and going into digital or cryptocurrencies. Talk about that a little bit. Sure. I mean, for me, it was a, a fairly logical transition because trading um, major currencies like sterling and US dollar and yen, uh, there is quite a lot of um, movements in the markets uh, on a 24-5 basis. But with the cryptocurrency market, uh, that really is a 24-7 uh, market that's accessible to traders. And the volatility uh, was was much higher than in the um, foreign exchange market. So traders traders are drawn to volatility, and so and so that what that's what kind of caught caught my attention back in uh, 2015. Gotcha. Okay. So um, let's talk about some of the difficulties um, that uh, we've seen the crypto market uh, deal with. Uh, one of them is, uh, I guess. Uh, the the bankability um, crypto related companies uh, are having a lot of problems getting uh, banks getting finance uh, there seems to be a lot of uh, uh, I guess uncertainties so talk about this yeah you, you're, you're absolutely right so uh, today if you are a company that is in some way or another dealing with crypto assets, you'll find it very difficult to get banked by uh, a U.S. bank or even a, or a foreign bank. So um, why is that the case? Because uh, the banks are concerned about uh, the profitability issue that they will face when the general public starts using crypto assets as a means of uh, payment and uh, um, uh, you know, transfer tr transfer uh, on an everyday basis for 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 everyday items, um, and and that's a catastrophic event for 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 their business model, and so they're trying to 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 protect that. And uh, in many cases, and this is kind of supported by uh, some uh, government officials as well that like to comment on cryptocurrency and they like to kind of do some scaremongering. Talking about the you know, the anti money laundering risks of, of cryptocurrency and that it's being used for drug money. Um, I mean, these are like I said, scaremongering tactics more than anything else. So, so the industry faces that issue today of of, of actually banking legitimate companies uh, that want to deal with crypto assets. Um, you know, if we look at a company like Facebook, um, which is you know preparing to launch its own crypto moving forwards. Uh, you know, we are going to see a transition in the kind of the pushback from traditional banks when it comes to uh, the companies dealing with crypto assets. So with time, we'll, we'll see some maturity uh, amongst the banks to, to support the industry better. Sure. You know, and, it's, and it seems to me, if I was a bank, I, I, I would be jumping all over crypto. Uh, because at least at this point in time, we saw crypto uh, a couple of years ago go through a lot of volatility. Last year, they, they had massive growths and math, massive losses. But it, it's, a, it's not a fad. It's not going away. And so if I was a bank, I really have very little to lose by stepping up and jumping into this field because the alternative is being 
left behind, right? And 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 I guess you know if if you're Chase or or a Bank of America, maybe they're thinking, hey, we're not going to do anything. We'll just buy whoever the biggest player is. But you know what's interesting to me, Andrew, is that this kind of reminds me of the same pushback that PayPal went through. A lot of people don't remember this, but you know, PayPal nowadays and things like PayPal are, are what do you call it, mainstream. But when PayPal first launched, you know, banks hated that. And, and, and there was some, you know, you, you use the word fear mongering. I think it's a great way, that's a great term. Uh, you know, and so today it's mainstream, but 20 years ago, it wasn't. Yeah. And I mean, well, I, I spoke uh, in December in Hong Kong at a uh, Bloomberg conference and um, Bloomberg asked me to speak about next generation banking uh, and the relevance of, of our company, FinCross, as an investment bank dealing uh, in digital assets as well as traditional assets. And what I said on um, at that um, at that conference was, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what is the bank of the future? Who is the bank of the future? Is it going to be the incumbents, the Bank of America, the J.P. Morgans, as you said, or is it going to be the fintechs like um, like PayPal, or will it actually be tech fin companies like um, like Facebook, Alibaba, uh, Google? that are all ramping up Amazon as well, of course, that are all ramping up their efforts to um, become a bank. Uh, they're not using that terminology in their, in their marketing and in their messaging, but it's very clear from their actions that these tech companies are certainly gearing up to, to become banks. And so, you know, I think if we, if I were a betting man, I would say as the banking industry today has done such a bad job of innovating in the tech space and keeping up with the times. Keep in mind that a bank today involves a lot of human power, uh, printing and stamping, rubber stamping pieces of paper. And we're talking billions of pages a year, uh, which are quite literally uh, still being printed and, and rubber stamped today. So I think that, um, you know, as, um, banking solutions, financial service solutions can be offered in a convenient digital way to a new digital uh, audience. Uh, today, we have the millennials finally coming through with some spending power. And these guys, obviously, they don't want to uh, fax, fax their documents to their bank. They just want to do everything online. So there is going to be a shift, and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, which of these categories, the incumbents, the fintechs, or the tech fins are going to come out on top in the banking space? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, uh, it is going to be interesting. And like I said, it just, to me, the banks have nothing to lose by getting in front of this and, and, and being the leaders, right? Uh, but but this is what happens time and time again. I mean, this is why a leader like a Bank of America or a Blockbuster or, you know, you name somebody gets taken out because they fear change. And there lies the opportunity for somebody small and nimble, a risk taker to come in and grab that space 
and kicked and kicked a, the 800 pound gorilla right out of the room. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at look at BlackBerry. Look at BlackBerry's dominance yeah. in the market some years ago, and and the iPhone just 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 smashed it out of the water. So, and and we don't even talk about BlackBerry anymore. So, um, I think you're absolutely right. And in the banking space, it could be even it could be even more uh, aggressive uh, the shift that we see because at the end of the day, we're talking about money and the way in which um, you know we trade. On a on a personal level, but also on a commercial level as well. So, this shift is going to be interesting and very fast. Think about the the distribution power of Facebook. If Facebook introduces its own cryptocurrency, whether that is a U.S. dollar backed crypto or whether it is uh, as 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 we so hear it, it will be, but even if it's not, even if it's a a, a crypt its own right that's not backed by U.S. dollars. Uh, in any case, they have this distribution like no other company in the world. Uh, right. A third of the world population is on Facebook. And so um, as soon as they release this new update to to Facebook and it's the, the various applications that they own, they could provide each one of their users with a digital wallet um, that is capable of, of holding and converting uh, traditional you know, FX uh, again, all the major currencies and converting them into their own their own currency. And as soon as they've done that, in my view, they become a bank. Sure. Well, and look, if I was Facebook, I wouldn't. You know, there's no need. Uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm by no means an expert with cryptocurrencies, but there's no need to have it back back backed. I'm sorry by uh, you know by U.S. currency necessarily, right? I mean. Yeah. Well, that's a very interesting point you raise because crypto is supposed to, in its original form, is you know its its initial use case with Bitcoin as an example was right. was to be a decentralized currency. It was almost uh, uh, an experiment to 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 demonstrate that you know um, a store of value could be created without a centralized entity in the middle. And, and and manipulating things like interest rates and inflation and stuff like this. So um, uh, uh, your point is, is spot on. Um, but I think Facebook are too scared uh, or a little bit nervous, let's put it that way, to be a bit kinder to them. Um, they're a bit nervous to, to jump into a fully decentralized currency, which could be upsetting, you know, some some of the banks that they have to rely on today and, and probably larger organization and governments that again, sure. I mean, a lot of pressure on that company today as well. Right. And, and, and interesting, you know, I like the way you kind of position that they do have to tread lightly. Uh, you know, they're, they've already gone, uh, was it last year? They went through a certain amount of scrutiny with, uh, you know, with, uh, their hearings that, the, that, uh, Zuckerberg went through, uh, and so anytime you become big and powerful, you have allies, but you also have enemies. And as Facebook moves forward, as Amazon moves forward uh, to create their own crypto, uh, there are going to be some people who are going to attack them. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, uh, yeah, I think you're right. They, they have to tread lightly. They uh, They have to be... Uh, definitely, uh, 
move slowly on this. Okay, so let me ask you this, because a lot of people, this is one of the things that, that people always ask about, uh, you know, will cryptocurrency replace currency? Will it replace the U.S. dollar? Will it replace the euro? What's your take on this? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. Um, I think what's – I'll answer your question on the top, and then I'll give you some details. So I think in the long run, we will see a, a wide adoption of cryptocurrency and one that enters everyday life and one where we're using – uh, decentralized currencies to replace, in certain cases, uh, sovereign currencies like the U.S. dollar. So, <clears throat> um, but that's going to happen perhaps over a period of 10, 20, 20 years. We're talking decades for um, such a transition to take place, in my view. Um, and if you speak to some uh, central banks, uh, as as we have obviously over the last couple of years, is since launching our company, um, we've actually heard from central bankers say to us that they fear about their existence in the next 10, 20 years. So in some cases, we will actually, we'll actually see the, the, the redundancy, if you will, of um, uh, some central banks around the world due to certain markets, uh, uh, especially those that are already troubled with their currency, like, uh, like Venezuela, for instance, that will kind of probably be in a position where cryptocurrency can be a better um, uh, currency mechanism than any sovereign currency that they that the government proposes. And I think also if you look at the state of that country today and the trust uh, amongst the people for government and institution in any way, shape or form, it's so poor, it's at such a bad level uh, that they are, you know, that they are real strong, strong believers and supporters of decentralized currency like 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 bitcoin um <clears throat> and then if we look at the in the interim um and the use of cryptocurrency today as a means of replacing the u.s dollar believe it or not it's already happening ernst and young uh one of the big four accounting firms uh globally uh has been working uh on using its um its own blockchain to um provide a fairly niche solution for uh, the wine, uh, the wine industry, and um, using its blockchain to not only track um, the the origins and quality of, of of bottles of wine around the world, but in addition to uh, also to use uh, a token for uh, transactions to be made amongst wine dealers. So in that case, we're actually talking about a token that is being used specifically for the wine trading uh, business. And is is therefore tr the wine traders in the world are able to to transact without relying on a sovereign currency. Um, so it's quite a a good recent example of how you know uh, traders are actually now actively using um, cryptocurrency as as a means of trade, and uh, um, uh, and likewise how a large accounting firm like EY are. are are active in in that activity as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to me, you know, I think that when I think of currencies, uh, paper money, coin money, uh, it seems it's possible 
in, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years that the use of currency, uh, if it doesn't go 100, if it doesn't go away 100%, it's, it's going to be reduced drastically. And, and you see it even today. Uh, most people carry little cash with them. It's just, un, it's not necessary anymore. Uh, you know, you have, you have so many alternatives of paying, right? You have Apple Pay, Google Pay, you have uh, already mentioned uh, PayPal, but I mean, look at all the different plastic alternatives we have. So uh, why carry cash? Not to mention banks give you the, uh, the, the opportunity uh, or the control that you can turn on and turn off your bank card at will. So if you lose it, you go to your phone, you turn it off, you find it, you go to your phone, you turn it back on. At, uh, at our, on our corporate, corporate bank, uh, we can issue debit cards for individuals and, and then preload that debit card. So our accountant, if, if somebody's going to take a trip and we're going to say, okay, we're going to preload that debit card for, let's say, $1,000, you know, that's it. He's got $1,000 in that debit card, and it'll have his name on it. It'll, you know, he can, it'll, it'll, they can spend it without the, ne the necessity of, of transferring to, uh, you know, transferring a, a bunch of money or, or opening up different accounts or, or having somebody sign on to, you know, uh, giving somebody access to your main account, uh, I mean, bank uh, account and stuff like that. So currency is changing, period, and it's going to continue to change or evolve or whatever you want to call it. But the, to me, my opinion is that hard currency, meaning paper and coin, to me has a limited shelf life. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the figures today, year on year, uh, the amount of cash that is in circulation in uh, developed uh, economies is reducing significantly year on year. And, uh, in, and, and there's some countries that are more aggressive than others in that uh, at, the, at the moment as well. Um, it's, it, one thing that's interesting about the U.S. is that <clears throat> actually uh, there is a U.S. dollar shortage around the world at the moment. And if uh, the Federal Reserve is not able to um, meet that, you know, that demand uh, by producing uh, new dollars through quantitative easing, as we saw, uh, as, they, as we saw they did um, after the global financial crisis as a means to try and kickstart kick the economy again. Um, if they don't do that to, to meet this demand, um, countries around the world will actually start looking elsewhere for alternatives to the US dollar. And I, and I certainly believe at this point that, that cryptocurrency is proving its strength, uh, you know, month on month at the moment. Uh, of course, it is volatile, certainly is volatile. But that volatility is, in fact, reducing over time relatively. So, um, so the stability of cryptocurrency is getting better. And therefore, the use case is getting stronger, um, and also the adoption is slowly getting better as well. So, all in all, I think um, 
if the Fed is not able to meet the demand and the quotas um, from other central banks around the world that want to uh, sit on U.S. dollar reserves, then, you know, this demand is going to go elsewhere. And crypto seems like the uh, logical alternative at this point in time. Yeah. And, and again, we see in some, in some uh, developing countries, uh, I saw a 60-minute report where there is a uh, where the a a digital or a cell phone company created a banking system uh, uh, so people could you know uh, people could pay their bills and and the reason why is because uh, in, in some of these villages there aren't any banks. Uh, and some people don't have enough money to even operate a bank account. Uh, and, and so this cell phone company allows them to go to little stores. Uh, they, they, they pay the store or they give the store money. The store then takes that, that money in and, and gives them a credit, which is uploaded to their phone kind of a thing. And, and they, they pay their bills that way. And so this idea of digital currency or cryptocurrency, uh, you know, it's happening one way or the other. I, I don't see a way of it not happening, even if the mob gets involved, even if, you know, uh, whatever, whatever they're afraid of, of getting involved. Look, bottom line is they're going to get involved. That's the way criminals work. I mean, you know, criminals are involved in our currency now. Um, supposedly, supposedly all U.S. currency, all cash, uh, what do you call it, paper money in the U.S. has traces of cocaine on it, all of it. So bottom line is you're not going to get away from the criminal, criminal element. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just like you can't get away from the criminal element in, in, in today's banking uh, in, in any kind of sector, there's a criminal element, uh, and eventually they get caught and they change and they get caught again. But, you know, bottom line is, um, you can't stop it. You can't stop it. It's going to, it's going to be here. The question is who gets there first, who becomes the dominant leader? Could it be Facebook? Could Facebook, uh, you know, I could see Facebook because they do have so much money behind them. Not, not only will they create this global coin, um, but I could see them spinning that off as a separate entity, which to me makes a lot of sense. True. And it's one that, you know, a Barclays analyst expects that well, it could uh, double, double their annual re uh, revenue from the first year that they introduced uh, the global coin. So um, I certainly think you're right that it could be, a, a complete uh, subsidiary business in its own mind. Absolutely. Hey, Henry, I want to say thank you so much for stopping by. It's uh, It's been a pleasure having you on the show and uh, looking forward to having you back again. Great talking. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You bet. Good stuff there from Henry James, uh, Deputy CEO at Thin Cross International. And, uh, as always, my friends, let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help as many people understand what's happening in cryptocurrency, what they can look forward to, and, and start maybe 
getting prepared for that change. Uh, you know, uh, fear uh, is uh, the thing that holds people back. And when you're talking about change, you know, that, that's the, the thing that holds people back is that fear. Um, and it also costs a lot of companies to go out of business. So let's share this episode with everyone we know. As always, my friends, remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.